0: Hello and welcome to the President's Podcast, brought to you by Get Football, your home of European football in English. In this extraordinary series, we sit down with European football's power brokers to discuss their journeys into the game and the future of the world's most successful export market of footballing talent. We're delighted to be joined today by one of French football's most competent and professionals, Anne-Laure Bonnet. Anne-Laure is currently the host of Le Vrai Mag on Sunday nights on Telefoot La Chaîne, French football's recently launched dedicated TV channel and network, formed by the newly made principal broadcaster of French football domestically, Media Pro. Before embarking upon this new adventure, An-La was a key figure at Bean Spa and is well known across the European football scene for ability to speak basically all the languages that have ever existed. <laughs> you will also have seen An-La host events like the FIFA the Best Awards in 2018. Anla, it's an honor and a privilege. Welcome to the President's Podcast.
1: Thank you, thank you so much. The honour is mine, actually.
0: That's very, very sweet of you. So let's jump straight in, Law. Um, what is your first footballing memory? How did you get caught up in the beautiful game?
1: Well, um, to be honest, I was not that young because it was uh, the World Cup 1994 um, oh. when Brazil won the World Cup. It was actually their fourth World Cup and I was in England watching it with English people because I was learning English so I was spending time there and everybody was watching the games which was not the case at home so mm. I could enjoy that in England and I was very happy to see Brazil win I remember Rai, uh, I uh, remember Bebeto, Romário it was it was more um, a question of emotion than uh, just a game and then you know it was first love it was love at first sight it Mm -hmm. and it's but it was immediate love because the emotions we could feel even if it was from the other side of the world it was amazing and obviously i remember the the final and Mm -hmm. the great moment after and then they dedicated that to that victory to ethan Senna.
0: yeah yeah absolutely um, do you often look at football a little bit more from that sort of sociological angle? The idea that you know it's about it's one of the few things that can really bring an enormous part uh, parts of the world together, or at least a country united together around a common cause.
1: It is something I really like. I, I like the game. I like to watch the games. I like. Uh, tactics I've lived in Italy, so I had no choice and uh, but what is what is great with football is exactly what you say it can bring so many people together and everybody's watching the same the same game without speaking the same language but anyway, everybody understands each other and and it's very emotional and mm. at at a professional level it's great to to watch it's great to see but when when you see kids playing. You can feel like there's something more. I mean, you can have kids from any country in the world. If you give them a ball, they can play. And then they understand each other and they see that they're not different. So they can live and grow up together. This is one of the best things in football, according to me. This is what I love about yeah. the game.
0: It, does that make you love big tournaments like the World Cup and the Euros the most? having sort of worked on them, because you see this kind of tremendous outpouring of different cultural joy across the tournament.
1: Well, it's great during World Cup to see it, to, to be able to feel it. It's absolutely great. I mean, I I loved the World Cup in Russia. It was very impressive because we had, we many of us had an idea of Russia being a cool country with cool people and it was exactly the contrary Everybody was nice. Everybody was dancing in the mm. streets, people from all over the world. And it was and people were there for football. So during the, the big tournaments it's very interesting to see that. But but you can go to almost any part of the world and you you will see shirts from Messi, Ronaldo. So it's more than only at, at big tournaments. It's it's in everybody's life every day. That's something very impressive about football because kids from I don't know Peru can play with a messy shirt. They've never seen him. They've yeah. barely seen him on TV. <laughs> and and still they're playing with that shirt and they feel like he's the king of the world. And this is football.
0: Yeah. I want to go back a few steps, uh, a little bit. and So obviously you have been in the broadcast journalism game on the sports side for a little while now, but before, <laughs> yeah. before no, I'm not, not, not a long time, just a little time. Um, but the, um, <laughs> the, the passion around sport seemed to come maybe initially on the motorsport side, at least that's maybe where some of the kind of early broadcasting that you were doing was, was rooted in. How did that come about?
1: um well don't don't laugh at me but when i was a teenager i was in love with Senna. yeah so i, mean, I fair <laughs> enough. used to watch fair enough. I, I used to watch formula one a lot with my brother and i loved it i i do love motorsport i should have been born england english i mean you have everything in england you have football you have motorsport should have been my home yeah but um, no, not, to, to be a bit more serious, what for, for me was really important because when Senna died, I was learning Portuguese because I wanted to talk with, with Senna, obviously, at, at one time in my life, I, which was not the case, obviously. But still, I, I continued learning Portuguese. And it, um, as odd as it might seem, it changed many things in my life to be able to speak Portuguese. I fell in love with Brazil. Which is almost my second home now.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, I I've been able to learn football from Brazil, which is different because football from Brazil, you you have to learn it from the street, from the, the the beach, from everybody talking about that. So you can't you can't like Brazil without loving football. Yeah. So that's that's what what uh, sport put me in, into football actually.
0: That's really interesting. So we were talking about really interestingly how your love for motorsport brought you into football through the prism of Brazil. But I want to pick up on something you just said a moment ago about how your motivation for learning Portuguese was, was speaking to Ayrton Senna. I love like that mentality, manifesting like what's going to happen next and I'm going to work really hard so that these sort of things happen. Have you always looked at general life like that? Um...
1: I guess so. Yeah. When, um, when I was working at Bean Sports and then told us we would broadcast World Cup in Russia, I decided to learn Russian because I was always thinking maybe something can happen there and, uh, it can be, I need to speak the language because if, if I'm there and I want to speak to normal people in the street, I will have to be speaking that language. So it's, if, if you want to get to those people, you need to learn the language. It takes a lot of time and energy. <laughs> but, but still, it's, it, you have to give yourself the opportunity to live great moments like some of the moments I've lived during that workup, talking to people. And I know it can seem strange, but talking to people uh, at the markets and everybody coming to me to, to give me the, the, the fruits from their from their own garden and everybody talking to me in Russian. I couldn't understand everything, obviously, but but still the main part. And they were like so happy to see someone who was absolutely no string to Russia yeah. speaking their language. I mean, it gives you, it's such an amazing feeling. And it has been the same, actually, for, for Italian. Because after the World Cup in Germany, yeah. I was at the final I'm French <laughs> and we lost against Italy and I said okay I need to speak Italian now because definitely I need to speak Italian I need to, to go to that country wow. and then I had lessons for three or four months and at one point uh, I'm pretty demanding when I'm learning a language so I want to understand everything and my teacher said to me she said Look, do you really need that? Do you really you want to do what work on Italian TV? And I said no, that's not the point, that's not the idea. I just want to <laughs> understand. And one year la- uh, one year later I was actually working at an Italian TV. <laughs> this is me.
0: <laughs> okay, so two quick ones. How many languages can you speak now?
1: Um fluently five. Uh but, with
0: but with some full.
1: difficulties. seven. Yeah.
0: Wow. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. So yeah, you end up in Italy. How does that happen? How do you end up swapping France for Italy?
1: Uh, Sky Italia called me. I was uh, working for French Channel TF1. I was yes. actually covering Formula One for them, but I had a race-by-race race contract with them. And at the end of the season, we said, okay, let's let's do this again next season. And... Uh, something like one month before the beginning of the season Sky Italia called me they were looking for a new presenter and I said okay they called me and I spoke English obviously (laughs) (laughs) I couldn't speak I couldn't speak very good Italian so that that was fine we we did all the meetings in, in English and then at one point I said but you know how my Italian is I mean I'm not fluent and they said don't worry in two months you'll be fluent Okay, I've, I spent two months crying because, I, you know what, you're on air, you know what you want to say, but yeah. you can't say it because you don't have the words. Yeah. And it was exactly what was happening with me. And it was like a nightmare at some point. But then speaking everyday Italian, it gets into your head and you end up speaking well. So that's what happened. And I'm so happy I did that. I'm so happy I moved to Italy and just tried I I tried. I mean, that's really the idea. I tried. I said, everybody was looking at me. You're living there for sky Italian. You don't speak Italian. (laughs) Are you crazy? No, I just (laughs) want to try. I know I can do it. And I did it.
0: Yeah, so it was
1: tough, but yeah,
0: yeah, no no doubt. But only by doing really difficult things do you become better and more accomplished and more fulfilled as a person, right? You know? The idea of sticking in your comfort zone for too long at any one point, just as a general like way That's of life exactly right. happening now. Sorry, go on.
1: Because I was uh, I'd, I'd been in sports. It was it was cool. I mean, it was what I was doing was pretty easy because I was used to it, um, and I needed a new challenge. And the Le Vrai Mag, this new show, is I mean, it's pretty much the most difficult thing I could do on French TV. I mean, it's, yeah. it's very big. I have so many things to to think about during the show. I have to be concentrated on everything. And you know what, at the beginning it was difficult. It, is, it, it, it still is difficult, obviously, but at the beginning it was so difficult. I was like, okay, this is a big challenge. I'm going to do it. I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it because it was not obvious. I was not happy with what I was doing on air and I, it was not good enough. It was yeah. it, it was not what I wanted to do. And I, I think I'm on the right path. But I've been working on TV for more than 12 years and, still is, and I'm still learning. Yeah. And this is pretty cool to be still learning to yeah. just one step further.
0: Yeah, I think to add to that, you know, to our English speaking listeners who who maybe don't know, Media Pro obviously coming in with Telefoot La chaîne is really momentous for the world of French football in France. We've never had in France a channel purely dedicated to football, let alone Ligue 1 and Ligue 2 exclusively. And also we've never really had a situation where one set of channels is relying on one specific product to then build its audience out. Which meant that a lot of it and then you had the co like the worst pre <laughs> prelude to it of like COVID. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and not really being able to meet in person that much or figure things out in person. And, so and I- empty
1: stadiums. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah but Benjamin Yves is there on the touchline, but he's got no fans to look at when <laughs> when, when he's doing it. So, you know, I think to explain to the to, to the guys outside of France, you've got all these sort of factors, and also, and it's a it's a big bet. I think it's an exciting bet, but it's a big bet nonetheless. There's there's an enormous amount of new pundit talent that is being given its chance here. On on telefoot that have never really done anything of the, of the kind and and all of those teething problems and then when you're having to essentially manage that as the host and then everything else that happens across the board uh, I can imagine must have been these like these few weeks you know probably before this national Bank, must have been some of the most intensive of your life really
1: yeah yeah because you have I mean we had all the the problems in-house I mean it's a new channel we uh, as you said we couldn't meet people properly before before this summer and it was w- we did everything in one month and yeah. it's crazy when we think when we stop now and talk about it we all feel like how did we do that <laughs> <laughs> It was it was pretty crazy. And it, it was a new role for me too. It was new for the for the pundits. It was new for me. It was new for almost everybody in, in the studio. So so it was a lot of pressure. And then I I, I couldn't put I couldn't blame anybody else. I mean, yeah. if if it's not working, it can't be anybody else than me. I mean, I, I was sure it was my fault. I needed to work more. I needed. I I worked like crazy, to to make things work. I mean, to to have people understand each other without having to say, "Mathieu, please tell us what you think about that." Uh, yeah. you, you know, because it's well, it's boring. But but then for example Mathieu Bodmer it's the first time he does that and he's great he's he's really great but you need to you need to find the right rhythm you need to find the right way to say things you need to find the right moment to say things so it's uh, it it was it was a lot of work and we still have a a lot of work to do but we're getting there we'll get there
0: Yeah, no, I, th- I think so, too, uh, watching from the outside in. Um, but on top of that, everything you're saying, obviously, it's just building chemistry, right? Because, like, you will have met Mathieu Budmel potentially in Ligue 1 context before this adventure. But it's not like you guys are best yeah. friends and you're coming into this and you know how, how you look at things, how you think about things, how you speak on things, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, all the pundits we have, uh, I've met them when they were playing in Ligue 1. So, I know them, but definitely i it, it's um it's a it's a challenge to to find this chemistry you know you just look at the at the person and he knows exactly what he needs to say or the way he needs to say it and yeah. it takes time i mean it's it's like we're just getting to know each other and it it really takes time. I hope we will have time to to get where we want to get but I think it won't take that much from now.
0: Yeah, because it's this double thing, right? You guys are getting to know each other and then we, the audience, are getting to know you, um, which is kind of an interesting... Yeah. And yeah.
1: Yeah, and this is this is also... Uh, it's an inter- interesting subject because we don't know about the audience. I mean, I have absolutely no idea. I've, I have absolutely no idea how how many people are watching us. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know how if people really enjoy what we do. And I don't know. It's, it's, it's very difficult to, to know how if, if it's growing, how it is growing. And but still, we're we already doing our best. So I guess people will enjoy it. Is, is I that- hope so.
0: Yeah, I, yeah. Is that because you're not getting, you're just not being provided with the data or there's just not enough data yet to know?
1: No, we don't have the data. We don't have the data because we, we are in, it's the, the way they count it is, is pretty difficult here in France. It depends. We are not an open channel.
0: Yeah. We
1: are not a general channel. So I think that we will have the data in three months. It right. takes time.
0: <laughs> yeah, I well, think fingers crossed we all get there over the yeah. line. We get out of 2020 and get there as well. Cool. Well, we've gone off on a really fun tangent, but and I love that. But I want to bring it back to to uh, just comparing for a moment your experience with Sky Italia in Italy and then the quality of French football journalism and broadcasting. What would you say the key differences are in law? I mean, Italy, everything is. I feel like the style is just this unbelievable intensity. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh yeah, that's very true. Um, well, the, the difference, I think um, the first one is that, uh, that Italy loves football, which is not always the case in France. Yeah. We are, the, the, the audience is growing because people are are getting interested in football, but in Italy, it's not the case. I mean, it's, they live for football and it's, this, is, this is not happening in France. People don't live for football. So this is one of the big difference. You, you talk about football all the time in Italy and people are very demanding. People expect you to know everything about everybody, every player, every team to speak about tactics. And I, I used to work for Sky, so it, it was more... Um, it was not a national. It was not uh, Italian national TV where uh, the girls were half naked to talk about football. So yeah. I was pretty happy I was at Sky and not at the other TVs because it's it's something very different in Italy. You you need to have this drama, yeah. everybody talking at the same time, everybody shouting, and that. For me, for French journalists, it was pretty weird. let people talk <laughs> let the other express what he wants to express and it's not the case in Italy, but for football, I guess uh, for me, the main difference is that the football is their life,
0: yeah, 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 I think that's that's certainly very, very fair um, I mean it is funny, isn't this the, the different culture of female women broadcasters and journalists still across the european scene um i feel mm-hmm. like i feel like in france and britain been some really you know especially britain has has been very bad for for a very long time in the last three years it's really come a long way in terms of producing fairer representation but in but in italy now in 2020 you still have shows like tiki-taka, whereas you say it's about, you know, it's still a bit more about objectifying.
1: Yeah, and uh, it's it's really something um, I don't understand, to be honest, because I have, um, of course, many friends who, friends, ladies who actually work in football in Italy, and it's not the way they work. I mean, if, if you watch Sky, Sky Italia, you everybody is very elegant and you don't have, you don't look at a woman saying, Oh, she's there because she's a woman and she's super sexy. It's not the case. I mean, uh, Anna Bilow who is uh, Leonardo's wife. She's presenting, um, champions league in Italy. And mm-hmm. she's definitely one of the best journalists I ever met. Yeah. Male or female. I mean, she's great. And, and she's in Italy. And she's not half naked, so and people do respect her.
0: Yeah,
1: I mean that's if you if you ask people if she's if she's a good journalist, everybody's gonna say she's a great journalist because she is. And um, here in France, it's I I feel like it's uh, getting easy to work on football, but it's still difficult to to have um bigger responsibilities yeah it's sometimes sometimes it feels like okay they need i don't know four women okay so they have four women but right. to be a leader uh, it's sometimes sometimes it's still very difficult
0: yeah well let's 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 pick on a couple of those things because i think you you mentioned too many interesting things in one go <laughs> um, <laughs> So, I mean, it's definitely true, this, and it's not just Leonardo's, um, Leonardo's wife. I mean, someone like... Uh, I'm going to butcher the pronunciation. You'll do it much better than me. Francesca Brienza, who's obviously Rudy Garcia's wife, she's incredibly competent. Yeah. Which has been on Ice from, Um And I don't get it, this whole Italian like broadcast bosses thing of... As exactly as you said at the beginning of this a little bit, like, Italian football... Like, the country is so mad about football. Do you really think they need... You know some flesh to make them more interested in football and more likely to watch your it's just so like it's so from another generation of just I, I,
1: you know what it's it's really difficult to understand because uh it it come it it really is from another uh, generation but still people like that and young people like that and i always feel like really You really need that to watch football, or maybe you're not interested in football anymore. Exactly, because that's not the point. I mean, it shouldn't it shouldn't exist anymore. If if you want to hear about football, I mean, who cares if it's male, females, if the way they're dressed, the way they they put their makeup makeup on? I mean, who cares? It's just football. Let's talk about football. And you know what? From the outside. Um, in England, for example, I always feel like, I don't know, I don't know if it's the language. I always feel like everybody is respecting women very well on, on air. I mean, on air for football. Uh, I, had, I have some colleagues in the UK and I, I mean, I see them so experts, so great in what they do. But yeah. then when I watch, I don't know, Champions League in England, it's always, it's only men.
0: I, I think the the British problem is one of that. Again, Britain was very late to trying to redress the balance, and it's only really been the last two three years. And the focus has very heavily been on let's get all of the best former female pros. Okay. Yeah. So most most of the women in, in in football who get a you know there's 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 one uh, there's one individual Anya Luko who is now a top correspondent for The Guardian, and she gets to write every week in The Guardian, she writes great stuff. But because it was looked at purely of, okay, we need women quickly, like, you know, and, and not, I think it's, a, it's appalling how this has been done. We need women quickly, one, and then two, okay, well, where's the easiest place to get women? Oh, let's just look at women's football, and let's get them. They haven't opened up the possibility for an anne Bonnet, really you know a UK version of yourself to be able to grow and exist and show your knowledge so then when they get asked it's always oh in the context of your experiences in women's football how does this work and so exactly as you said when it gets to the Champions League you don't see any women (laughs) because because they've decided this is how women how women dealing with football is going to work so yeah in the UK there's still a lot of work to do for sure
1: yeah my I'm sorry my English is not good enough but I would have
0: loved to work for an English TV. Uh, I don't know. I I don't know. Let's see if we can do something. (laughs) Uh, I think your English is definitely good enough. Um, But I want to come back to one other thing that you said, which was in France, right, it's becoming easier to get your foot in the door, but not necessarily have the responsibility. And I think that is so true. And I think you, when we look back on French football broadcasting history, this this role that you have is probably the most high-profile, biggest role that a female broadcaster has ever been given in the world of French football. Did that add to the stress and pressure that you felt yeah. in these first few weeks?
1: Yeah, definitely. Because um, I felt like I needed help from fellow journalists, fellow women journalists. And I was like, okay, uh, who can help me? Who can tell me that it's it's not going to be like that forever? that um, when I say, you know what, it's very strange. When I say, okay, this doesn't work. Yeah. We should do it another way. Everybody looks at me and say, okay, no, forget it. (laughs) Forget what you said. And then like two days after, a male journalist says, we should do that, which is exactly what I said. And they say, yeah, that's a great idea. And I feel like, okay, what, what did I miss? I mean, what's wrong with me? Sure. And in the end, it's not what's wrong with me. It's just that it takes time to, for people to, even for the younger generation, it takes time to understand that women can understand football. I mean, you don't need to be a man to understand the rules. You don't need to be a man to understand the way you play football. But it takes time. And I I really wanted to, I, I didn't want to give up because I want to show the the new generations, the new girls who are coming, yeah. that they can do it i mean it, it it needs to be normal yeah it 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 can't be okay there's one woman there presenting football, presenting league one. there is only one no you, it it shouldn't be the question shouldn't be is she uh is she is it male female the, the right question. She's a journalist. He's a journalist. Good, bad, yeah, good enough, but not yeah. good enough. But it shouldn't be a question of being a woman. But on the other side, I'm not sure I would be there if I wasn't a woman. Because I, I, I <laughs> No, you know what? I, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure uh, they would have picked me up not being a woman because it's, it's, it's like, um, nowadays it's cool to have a woman presenting Mm. for i don't know owner of a company owner of tv and i don't know or maybe it's because i always feel like i'm not good enough for that job but (laughs) it's something very personal but you know i'm i don't know i don't know if if i wasn't a woman if i would have got that job i don't know i'm not sure
0: you have a track record that just you know, proves you're excellent. So, I mean, that's, that's, that's our view. So number one, we think you're good enough. <laughs> um, <laughs> Thank you. Number two, I think, you know, your very nature is one of being a perfectionist, right? When you commit to something, you want to do it to the absolute best of your ability. And that's a common trait among successful people, not just in football, but across any industry doing anything. But I but I can see how the scenario that you describe, where you know one one afternoon you suggest this thing in a production meeting, people ignore it, and then two days later a man suggests it, and then they go with it, is incredibly frustrating. Did you ever think um, already this this short um, telefoot process? Were there times where you were sort of questioning, actually, was this the right thing to do?
1: No, because I'm uh, to be honest, no, because. Um if it was the right moment to move on, it was the right moment for me to to try a new challenge. So whatever might happen, I I, I don't mind. I mean, it's great what I've been learning for three, four, five months now. I mean, it's, it's great. It's, it's such an opportunity to learn quickly because we don't have time. So we need to Mm -hmm. learn quickly and, no, I'm very happy with the, the
0: choice I made. Good. Have you ever suffered from burnout? Uh, I mean, I know I have. Football is relentless and, and football in 2020 continues to basically, it's just non-stop, right? If it's, if it's not Champions League, it's international friendlies. If it's not New it's Club World mm. Cup, et cetera, et cetera. How do you, how do you um, manage periods when you're just a bit exhausted when you can't, you know, the calendar dictates how we work every day.
1: Well, um, we used to be a- able to travel,
0: <laughs>
1: but that was before the crisis. Uh, and I just this, this was my way of cooling everything down, you know, going to Brazil yeah. and switch off everything.
0: Yeah.
1: It's definitely something I still need. Uh, well going to Brazil obviously but switching off everything I need I need some time I need sometimes I need one day two days without looking at anything without watching anything and it's pretty difficult because when you switch off your phone and tv and everything for even one day you have so much work late (laughs) I mean you you need to work so much more the day after because okay haven't seen that i didn't know about that and it, it, and it's too much and mm-hmm. you have too many informations in your head and yeah uh there the are too many games that's for sure that's not 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 only for the players but also for the journalists <laughs> and uh, i mean the news is 24 7 i mean it, it's it's all the time you need to 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 be focused on on football on on your work all the time because you can't lose one piece of news you can't lose anything i mean it's you there's no choice you have to to know yeah. as, as much as possible
0: yeah yeah i always say to 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 guys here like you know i wish you could i wish there was someone like called like mr news and you could just like phone him and say Hi, <laughs> right. can, can you not do any news for like three days, please? <laughs> and, then, and then he would sort that out. Give us
1: yeah. some rest.
0: Yeah, <laughs> sadly, sadly, that's not a reality. I want to come to um, uh, something a little bit more topical. Obviously, recent news that uh, uh, that um, L'Equipe and, and uh, Francois Boll's parent company is looking to massively downsize the operation over there by the end of this year. And also turn that that France Football magazine into something that we get maybe bi-weekly or even monthly rather than weekly. Um, Are you worried about... It breaks my heart. Yeah, it's mine too. For me, it's the best magazine in the world of football. Um, Yeah, definitely. uh, Are you worried about the future? Not only, I mean, French football is in an interesting position, but more specifically, French sports journalism. Are you worried about the future of it? that COVID-19 has somewhat accelerated pre-existing trends of print media dying.
1: Yeah, it's, it's such a bad news. I mean, I, I was so sad for my friends at L'Equipe, at France Football, and, but there are also job cuts at being sports at l m c Yeah. And they, they even closed the sports section in Le Figaro. So when, when you look at what is happening with sports in France, you feel like, okay they didn't get it they didn't see it's important for the whole society to 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 invest in sports for the just for the relationships between children and coming from all over the world and meeting in a, in our country yeah. um it, it's terrible and, and and it's also terrible for our job because it feels like you're going to have uh, you're going to have one one choice or you PR of a club or you PR of a club yeah. i mean It's. It looks like um, it's going to be very difficult to be a sports journalist because you won't have the opportunity to go and follow the teams everywhere like we used to do. I would say seven, ten years ago, and you will be. The only way to get news is going to be to call the agents, to call the, the the managers, to call that 's not the way we do journalism i mean that 's not the way we we can 't tell stories if we don 't see them i mean it 's great to be at the stadium to see things to feel things to to be able to to tell them to the public i mean and it's it, it looks like in france it 's not going to happen for very long because being sports and the r m c firing so many people it's it 's really worrying for the job for the journalists and sports in general.
0: Yeah, and I think, again, to add some context for, for our listeners outside of, of France on this, the other thing that is very unique about the French setup is that there is an enormous amount of journalism schools and an enormous amount of young people every yeah, you know some obviously just like any set of schools there's some very prestigious some less prestigious there's an enormous amount of young people studying for this specifically to get into football journalism getting to the point of you have thousands of people who have done these these uh degrees these diplomas for what like this year i don't even think there are any new jobs at all <laughs> anywhere in France. no i don't uh and, and so i don't
1: I, think so i mean no. i mean i, I, I it's exactly w- what you're saying is exactly what I feel when I see young young people sending me messages saying, "How do we get to do what you do?" I don't know because I don't know if in ten, if in five or ten years it will exist. So I'm not. I'm. I always. I feel so sorry to to tell them that I wouldn't choose that, but I don't know. There are too too many too many people wanting to to do that and less and less jobs because now that people think they can pick up uh, news on the internet and okay, this is a piece of news. No, this is not a piece of news. You just took it from someone and use it, but it's not your piece of news. And, and if it's just to rewrite the, the press releases doesn't make any sense. You don't need to study at the, journalist journalism school to <laughs> to re- rewrite press releases
0: yeah or
1: write them maybe but
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah there's a few league and clubs i can think of who could uh, who could use some help on that um yeah. <laughs> so and let's jump in a little bit more to kind of some some career moments and, and general your your general outlook on football uh, the, i'm having too good a time on the conversation so i'm massively behind but so uh, we'll, we'll we'll catch up um <laughs> I'm sorry no, <laughs> it's a good problem. So let's go with some short-fire ones. Who's the funniest person from the world of football that you've ever interviewed?
1: Um, I would say uh, Marcelo from Real Madrid and Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Yeah? Yeah, because they're, they're actually very funny persons. And, yeah. and we, we, yeah, we had much fun during the interviews and they're, they're nice chaps.
0: That's a very good oh, nice. word <laughs> of <to> me <be> there. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, Zlatan, there's like so many of Binspoz's really iconic moments coming up about conversations between you and Zlatan because he was just this incredible blockbuster character who you knew yeah. post-match, you know, he was going to say something that would take the front page of L'Equipe the next day.
1: Yeah, because it, that, that is something about Zlatan. It doesn't speak a lot but when he stops to speak to say something, you know he's gonna say something big. And I remember it was when the Paris Saint-Germain won the title. I guess it was two thousand and thirteen. Yeah. Fourteen. Fourteen. Um, I I had some technical issues and I was running errands and I was like, okay, uh, I lost I lost Zlatan. Where is Zlatan? And he was going away. And then I called him and I was like you know, running and I was stressed out because it was not working, the mic and stuff. And, and I made a mistake because I think it was one of his records. I, I don't remember. I, I made a mistake in a, in a number yeah. and he corrected me. And I don't know what happened in my head, but I said, OK, OK, you want to do that? We're going to speak French now. And I was so pissed. <laughs> I was angry. I was saying, "No, no. Now we're gonna speak French. You, 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 pulling my leg because I, I made a mistake in English. Okay, right. Now we speak French." And it was, it was laughing so much. And two minutes after that, he said to me that it would stay at Paris Saint Germain if they put. Uh, a statue of him instead of the Tour Eiffel and I was like okay thank you (laughs) I was pretty happy to have gone mad
0: (laughs) yeah thank you that's that's made that's made the whole week (laughs) of news thank you so much Um, (laughs) there's probably nobody actually in European football who's spoken to a, a greater variety of some of the most important people in football than you over the last 10 years because of you know, all the different languages because of Beans Reach, because of the other stuff that you've done, obviously, with FIFA the Best Awards, etc. I mean, obviously, you have a plan in terms of questions that you're going to ask. But, yeah, you know, in your head, you, you, you know you have three, four minutes, usually. Some, well, it depends how long the interview is. But in a situation like Zlatan, you have three or four minutes before he, he gets distracted or does something else. So, is there sort of things you're looking at in terms of body language from, from players? Take me through a bit, a bit of the process and how you've developed that.
1: Well, um, it, it depends on the kind of interviews. If it's at the end of a game, which was usually the case with Zlatan, we had no time to prepare actually, because we always said we want to talk to Zlatan, and the answer was always no. And at some point he appears, and, <laughs> and then you, you need you, you need to be prepared, but you don't have time to prepare. So you, it's like it's. You know what you want to ask Zlatan, so the questions they're already ready in your head. I mean, that, that that's pretty easy, and you you need to make him feel you're the boss mm-hmm. in that case because this is the way Zlatan likes interviews. I mean, you can't be weak yeah. in front of Zlatan. But it depends. it, it depends on the um, on the people you you need to interview. You, I'm a nice person. I like people. I like players. Uh, So it's, I'm nice. That's the first thing. Even if I am asking harsh questions, which I can do, (laughs) it's always in a nice way. Yeah. So it's, yeah, the idea is that if, if you like the people you're talking to, I guess they can feel it.
0: Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's just who you are. That's both very helpful and very annoying for everybody else who's trying to be as good as I'm you. I'm so
1: sorry. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, not to me, not to me. Um, what about next? Which individual that you have interviewed in your career most surprised you? Someone you thought you knew how they were going to be, you know, you'd done all the research before, you'd sort of got a sense of, oh, this person's going to be like this, and then you meet them and they're something completely different. You
1: know what it happened a couple of weeks ago with Claude Puel the yeah. Saint-Etienne coach I was I was going to Saint-Etienne and I was like okay I don't want to go it's going to be boring he's not smiling it's not it, I don't know I mean he's going to look at me like if I was an idiot cuz he you knows so much about football and I'm going to feel bad and and I had a great time he was smiling almost all the time he was telling us so many stories so many interesting things I mean it was it was a wonderful moment really it was it it's completely different from what I expected from Club Puel. and uh, when I was younger when I was following English football it was um, the year of the invincibles and in Arsenal and I was I, I couldn't do an interview with Arsene Wenger because I was always thinking, okay, I'm so impressed. Am I, 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 I saying something, something stupid? You can't ask anything. You, you can't say anything to Arsene. He's so great. And, and I was like, like a little girl. And some of the players told him, ha, ha, she's afraid of you. <laughs> <laughs> and that was worse. No, it's, And it was so nice the way he explained things. And pff. No, it was amazing, but I was afraid. I was too impressed. Hmm.
0: If anybody in French football, Arsene Wenger would, uh, I'd imagine. We've not had him on here yet, and law. We're sure it's going to happen one day, but <laughs> uh, uh, hopefully. Yeah, hopefully. But as not I imagine, it's just like,
1: <gasps>
0: like this guy is so intelligent. Like
1: exactly.
0: It, it's funny about Puel because um, he has he gives off this very harsh exterior in public, and a lot of it. It was at the same at Auxenis, It Was the same at Lille. It was the same at Lyon. Uh, a lot of it is—he's often trying to send messages internally, but then how he is with people, face to face, and including his players as well. Unless he's decided, I really don't want you in my squad, he—he—he mm-hmm. um, he, he, he has an incredibly good relationship. And and what's interesting about Poel as well is—is is with the with the younger players especially at times, and that's become something I think for for football managers that has been very tricky. Jose Mourinho said recently that he's changed his time management style to cater to Generation Z, like the players who are between 16 and 24, because they the way they act is so different. Their attention span is so different. What yeah. they care about is so different. So that's interesting about Puel, but um, to me as well, not, not super surprising, but that's great as well, right? Because you're, you're on the train, you're like, oh God, you have like what? Yeah. From Paris to, exactly. <laughs> to <the end.
1: laughs> Am I really going to Saint-Étienne? We are in the middle of a lockdown here in France and I'm going to Saint-Étienne to interview Puel and it's going to last like five minutes. But though it ended up like one more than one hour and it was great. I had such a good moment. Awesome. Well, Those are the good surprises.
0: What were the worst conditions in which you've had to shoot a piece of content, whether it's an interview or a broadcast in studio? Like, what's the worst thing that's ever gone wrong? And you're just like, oh, my God, like, smile and wave. <laughs> <Just>
1: <laughs> the worst in the world for me was at the Champions League draw. Yeah. When it was the first time, it's actually the only time <laughs> they did it without... Um, I, I didn't have my lines because I was in the public yeah. and I don't know. I don't know what happened in my head and I'm still so sorry. And I made a mistake. I said, I think that I said Manchester City instead of Manchester United. And then I corrected myself immediately, but, but still too late. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, I guess it's the worst thing that happened to me on TV. So it's, it's, uh, it's terrible because you, you feel like you knew it. I mean, I, I know the difference. I know the two clubs, you, you know it perfectly. And for a reason, you don't know it happens and you can't come back. I mean, you can move back because you said it and it was live and okay, too late, go on and forget yeah. by your career but go
0: on <laughs> <laughs> yeah how how do you stay cool in a moment like that when you know like you've you know you've you've slipped up on something and you're like oh my god i still have like another 75% of this to go cuz that would cuz you have to be very mentally strong don't you to not let that throw you off
1: um and on, on the moment i laugh at myself cuz i think i did a mistake and i'm just a human being and then you Definitely need to focus on the next thing you have to say. If you, if you think very, very hard at what you need to say in the coming two, two three minutes, then you forget about it. And yeah. then you think about it again at the end. When you, when you do it again in your head, you feel like, okay, that was good. That was, that was very bad. And then for, <laughs> for years, you think about it <laughs>
0: But I feel like you haven't had a, a situation where it, it, it turns into like a social media meme or something. You know, I feel like you've not had a moment no. where you get attacked on social media for stuff like that. I mean, it, it speaks to the fact that you have probably only ever made one mistake like that.
1: No, no, but uh, it, the people are nice with me. <laughs> no, please, please. It can't happen to me. It's terrible. It must be. I mean... We say so many mistakes. I mean, when we speak for two hours, obviously we say we say bad things and we do mistakes. And yeah. but no, I, I don't have one thing that maybe maybe I laughed so much at myself for this Manchester City United thing that people were laughing with me and not against me. Maybe, yeah. obvious. Hope hopefully. hopefully.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, I don't remember it. So this is the first time I'm in it. So there we go. <laughs> <laughs> Should have kept them all quiet. Yeah. <laughs> um, switching gears a little bit to something that I think has been really important this year across football. Um, there's been the effort and an example that Marcus Rashford has has taken to take on the UK government on the issue of free school meals, and he's had a battle essentially in public with the with the UK government. And then in, it's taken four or five months, but now they've agreed to to provide free school meals across the board. It's also seen him get an honour as well. Not yet Sir Marcus Rashford, but it seems like it's on its, uh, it's, on its way in a few years. I guess it's a couple, couple of questions. We don't have examples of footballers doing this in this high profile of a way, but you and I know certainly that footballers, pretty much all successful footballers do something for charity or something, to support yeah. certain things, they just don't publicize it. Uh, in fact, some of the most amazing acts of kindness in French football in the last ten years, they've never they've never made the press. With the age of social media, with the ability for a player to amass millions of followers by the age of twenty-five, do you think that it is footballers' place now to to try to change the status quo, champion well, causes?
1: I think um different different things in that. Uh, what- there are so many players who actually help foundations, they have they help they help children, they help as many people as they can help, from Messi to Ronaldo to Kylian Mbappé, they all have many, many ways to to help. So that's one part and they already do that. But what Marcus Rashford has done and is doing is very impressive because it it didn't say I'm gonna use my money and buy meals to the children. It, he put pressure on companies. He put pressure on the government to open their eyes. And I mean, the power, the way he did it, uh, I don't know where he found uh, this this power, this this strength to to keep on fighting for that. I mean. That's very impressive, but you, you need to, it has to be very, coming from deep inside to be, to be that successful in the case of Rashford. I mean, it's, it's one cause, it's one thing that is a huge problem in England, and he knows it. I guess he went through that, so yeah. he knows exactly what he's talking about, and he knows exactly what those kids need. And the way he fought for that it's it's really really impressive and the way he put pressure on on the government i mean he's a football play, player putting pressure on the government okay but' is, for me is just a great citizen putting pressure on the on the government and he succeeded because he's a footballer for, um and he has so many followers on the internet and on the instagram and twitter and whatever. So this is the the power he had from the social media, but is mainly a great citizen. And I think that players could do that, for example, in France, but the problem is that they're not respected. In France, people, or maybe it's the same in England, I don't know, but in France, people say, you you play football, keep on playing football, focus on football. Mm. And they wouldn't. They wouldn't. People wouldn't accept uh, a player to interfere in in a policy of anything. I guess they should use the power they have
0: yeah. to
1: fight for causes. They they really understand. I mean, for for things that they really know how hard it is, how difficult it is, and. I, I don't know what kind of childhood had Marcus Rashford. Well, I, I know from what I've read, but I don't know how it felt for him. But I mean, he's so young, so impressive. Great yeah. guy. Impressive guy.
0: Yeah. And, and I guess we're seeing it a bit with, with Kylian Mbappé, you know. Even, yeah. Even doing stuff like centering the, the latest Nike collection around Bondi, where he grew up. At, again, at, at a really, really early age, we're starting to see that. But I guess an interesting case is, the, is Brazil, your adopted nation. You have Juninho yeah. who, has, who has stood up quite aggressively against the Brazilian president, but then you have the majority of the national team being completely silent. I guess in a weird way, maybe it's also cultural, but then I, I wouldn't have expected this breakthrough in football or something like this in football to come from a young British guy, because as you say, it is quite similar in England. I think the mentality of you don't know anything about apart from football. It's a funny one,
1: but uh, the thing is that in Brazil, um, the first thing they do is to help the family, the community, and yeah. it's it. It might seem small, but but it's huge what they do for their community. What they call their community is is their favela, the the the, the suburbs they come from, and. It's pretty difficult to to help more. I mean, they would they would need to to organize things in a in a bigger and a broader way. They don't. Yeah. I don't know. They don't. Maybe the the ideas or the people around them to to help them. As for the the Brazilian president, I mean, I'm so sorry, but I don't understand. Are you really? Don't understand what the, the Brazilian players didn't didn't see. I I don't know. I uh, really I don't know. I don't know how they can take picture with them and put them on the on the Instagram, on Twitter, and be proud of that. And I guess they feel more European than Brazilian. So maybe they don't care.
0: It reminds me of when Mesud Özil posed with uh, Turkish uh, President Erdogan yeah. as well. Yeah, it's. It's a a strange one, and and, and I just think that as football continues to grow, continues to touch more people, we are going to have this interesting friction between football and politics more and more and more. Even George Ware becoming president of Liberia. Yeah. Stuff like that. And I think it's a really interesting facet of of what we do that we'll continue to watch and and see if there are more Rashfords in the future. Get French Open News has been able to exist because no one was trying to cover really French football in English before this and you bet <laughs> <laughs> well yeah but but it's not to toot our own horn it's more to say if the LFP had been <laughs> doing this before us then it wouldn't <laughs> exist <laughs> so my my question is really do you think the LFP has had an adequate strategy in place to internationalize Ligue 1 in the last few years and and you know do you it's well equipped to do it in the next five and I guess the question I posed to you is that the last two years LFP has tried to sell Ligue 1 as the league of talents right this league that produces the best players in the world. The Farmers League. The Farmers League yeah I mean we can get into that we can get into that as well and I think whilst the intention was to make it seem like a positive to world football the feedback that we get is exactly what you're saying Farmers League you don't play good football. You just produce people that we pick like crops for England, Spain, Italy, and Germany. And I'm wondering whether that tag in itself is limiting, right? It's saying we produce all this talent. You know, we're not known for the quality of the football matches that are happened, but we just produce good people and then they go and be successful somewhere else. Be keen to get your thoughts on, on that and, and kind of the challenges that that are facing you again to be more respected on an international stage.
1: Well, it, it's, it's really difficult because the... We, we've seen Ligue 1 as the, la Ligue des Talents, Farmers league, for so many years. I mean, they tried. They had some, they had some good moments in the 90s, I would say. Yeah. Um, but, but still, French football is not as successful as it, as it should be. And it, it's not a question of having great players, because we have great players. The, the question is about being a great industry, being great in the game. It's so sad some, sometimes to watch French football, and I remember Ben Arfa once saying when he was playing at Nice, I don't know how they enjoy themselves playing like this so defensively. And it's exactly the problem of French football. I mean, it's not it's some, some sometimes not nice to to watch.
0: Yeah,
1: and it's not you, you don't enjoy it. You just don't enjoy the game. What I love about German football and English football is they play. They actually play.
0: Yeah.
1: So. It, it's, it's it's more about the mentality that they need to change, or maybe an and maybe the way they they think economically their club. Because if if the idea is take young players, make them grow, and get money from them, we will never have a nice a very nice league
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, yeah.
1: we are happy to watch uh, Kamavinga. I love that guy. Yeah. But we, we know he's not going to stay. Yeah. Well, I mean, it was great that Paris Saint-Germain could have Neymar. But for me, it was even great, greater that they had Bappé. And yeah. that Bappé stayed for three years, four years in, in France. Because he was strong enough to decide to stay. If not, he would have gone to Real Madrid, to wherever. Mm. He would be great in Liverpool. I mean... But but we we won't keep those talents if we don't play, if we don't if you, if if we don't uh, get the game itself better.
0: Yeah, for sure, for sure.
1: That was a sad note.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, we'll end it on a better one. Well, actually, you've already, you've already said what you've. <laughs> I always ask, what words of advice would you have uh, for people who want to do what you're doing in football? But we've already said, don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know no,
1: no, no, I shouldn't I shouldn't say that no no if if really really they want to do what I'm doing um be nice you know what uh during the first lo- lockdown I had to do for an interview with uh Keilo Navas yeah. the goalkeeper of Paris Saint-Germain and at, at the end there was a fan from Costa Rica asking what she needs to be a good journalist. And he said, he, I loved his answer. He said, you can, do, you can say whatever you want about the way we play, about the, the, the way I'm acting on the field, but always remember, I have a family, we have a family, we are human beings. Sometimes we are good, sometimes we are bad, but don't, don't attack the person, just criticize the player. Yeah. And I like that. Really, really, really much. It's exactly the way I see things. I mean, I don't have any problem. And so, some people say that I shouldn't. I've said that once to Adrian Rabio when they got uh, knocked out by Real Madrid. I guess I said, "So you're still not good enough to go to quarter final." Yeah. And that was exactly, you know, it was exactly what I was feeling at the moment and he said yes and it was not i was not attacking adrian rabiot whoever it was just the way you play is not good enough full point and it's not you you just have to focus on on the game you can't you don't know what's happening uh, at home for a player if he has problem with his wife if the kids are sick maybe one day he's playing badly it happens yeah, it's is is not a piece of whatever just because he's not playing well one game, and one one coach is not the stupid stupidest one in the world because he's not we using one player. Maybe that player had problem during the week. Maybe it was late at every training. We don't know. So yeah. we need to focus on what we see and what we know.
0: Yeah. and our job is to to try to know as much as we can but the one thing I'd add to that to finish guys uh, listening uh, being a footballer is an incredibly high pressure job number one but this is especially a high pressure moment and the footballers who are playing internationally who are in Europe at the moment with Champions League Europa League have never had to play this amount of matches this tightly ever before and we've got another four or five weeks of that so just think twice on the weekend if you're going to leave a really horrible comment on social media. These guys are killing themselves physically as well as mentally at the moment. Obviously, support your team. Obviously, be upset if certain things don't go right and try and analyze them in the pub, on social media, whatever. But just leave the nasty comments aside if you can. Um, and Laura, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks so much to everybody at home for listening uh, to this one. It was, a, it was a wonderful one. I know you guys have been And,
1: keep, and please keep on watching French football.
0: Yes, exactly. Please keep on watching French football. Uh, and, you know, for every nil-nil between Metz and Dijon, there is a 5-4 between Brest, uh, no, Brest, rhin and Lens. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, don't, don't be caught by one game. And Laura and I certainly aren't. Thanks so much, guys, for listening. Uh, I know you've been waiting a long time for these presidents' podcasts. This is a couple of months now, but... Uh, As the British say, it's like London buses. We've got to having uh, a lot more coming before uh, now and the end of 2020. Thanks so much for listening. Hope you're all doing as well as possible at home. Please continue to adhere to your local government guidelines around COVID-19. We'll get through this together and enjoy the football while you can. Thank you. Bye-bye.